Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. 1235 in Edmonton. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to... Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal's an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. As we go to Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, brought to you each Wednesday by Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes, and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Well, guesswork uh, in terms of finding a way to improve Edmonton through free agency with a limited amount of money um, was part of the off-season discussion as we're pleased to be joined on uh, the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline by Brian Lawton. Brian, how, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Bob. How are you? Uh, up and down, like the team that I, uh, I broadcast. I, I try to remain as even-keeled as possible, but uh, we're eight games in, and we're starting to see some trends. Um, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid with five-on-five five when the Oilers are on the ice. They're okay there. Uh, the goal share when they're not on the ice, one goal for 13 against at even strength. It's a little bit concerning, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Uh, and, and maybe you can shed some insight as a manager. You make some bets. Uh, and look, they didn't pay big money on Kyle Turris, two-year deal, $1.65 million. He's centering their third line. He appeared to be a better option uh, than Riley Sheehan last year. And then they also signed Tyson Berry, one-year deal, 3.75. Both guys, they know they haven't been good enough. Take us through the mindset of how an organization handles that. The fact that you've made this invest. It's not like you can just pull them out of the lineup and scratch them, can you? You've got These are these are unique guys to deal with when they come into your organization. Do they not, uh, Brian? They are. And in a salary cap world, this is just part of the normal process year in, year out. You've got to find guys that can come in and fill in in an ideal world you bring them in and they fit beautifully and it's a seamless transition that hasn't been the case certainly for Kyle Turris or Tyson Berry for that matter Um, personally you would have got my vote a hundred percent on Tyson Berry Uh, I've been surprised by how things uh, have started for him in terms of Kyle Turris it was it was a it's not a super expensive deal so that right away should tell you you're going to absorb more risk. There's a reason why a player would come in at that deal. 
Uh, although we always like to say he wanted to play for this team or that team, uh, the reality is there wouldn't have been a plethora of better offers for Kyle Torres to take. So the market said, you know, you can garner a two-year deal, a million six, okay, I think it's a million six fifty actually, but whatever, you get the point. This isn't, uh, you know, rock star money for a guy that was on a long-term deal that he was bought out of by the Nashville Predators at $6 million a year. So, you know, there's going to be risk there. Uh, now you have to make a decision, Bob, which direction do you go from here? All right. So take us through that. I mean, uh, you know, basically the Oilers are getting about 35% of the shots when Terris was on the ice. Uh, he, he probably has to reinvent himself a little bit here because he's been mostly an offensive role. Uh, and some would say, you know, I mean, I would argue that he was a complimentary scorer. He's obviously not a driver in the top six. But uh, how does that conversation occur between Dave Tippett, as an example, and Kyle Turris? Well, you're going to have a couple of different conversations. You're going to have the interaction between the coach and the players. And guys like Dave Tippett, they're pretty focused. They understand their role in the equation is to try to make them better, even when it's not going well. Uh, They'll meet with the manager and the rest of the management staff at some point, but it's pretty much the manager's job to make the determination in regards to, from a global standpoint, what do we do with this player or that player? So what do we do with Kyle Turris? Can we trade him? Probably not. Do you want to trade him? Pretty Eight games is a pretty short and right. So, what point? Like, are, frame, so, are we like Brian? Are we in a? We're not in a panic mode, are we? I mean, it's it's tough to say that to Oilers fans right now. We're eight games in the season. The team's been up and down. They're three and five. I mean, think about it, Brian. If I told you that the power play would be eleven and a half percent through the first seven games, and that Turris would be a, a you know minus eight five e five, and Barry would be at minus six, and the Oilers wouldn't have access to Mike Smith and the power play was at 11.5%. If I told you that at the start of the year, you probably would have said, you know what, 3-5, and five. that kind of makes sense for where the team would be at. So do you overreact, I guess from a global perspective, do you overreact to the start, or how, how do you kind of, ha- because I do see some trends that are occurring, and I think that's unnerving the Oilers fan base a bit. Yeah, and it's probably unnerving the management and coaching staff a little bit too. But in, in a normal year, to be fair, you'd probably be able to gloss over this. You certainly would have more time. But because it's such a shortened season, because there's such a golden opportunity, in my opinion, for the Edmonton Oilers this year to take advantage of their star players, but also a new division and other factors, uh, it's ramping up the pressure. I think it's making it more challenging. I think it's probably forcing uh, Ken and his staff to really sit down and do a deep dive as to where we're at and where are we going and how are we going to get there? Because this is not the plans that they would have settled on over the summer. You could rest assured of that. The expectation level, I know from the coaching staff, I am friends with Dave Tippett, is that they will make the playoffs and they will do some damage. They will take the next step this year. So I know he's disappointed in terms of Ken and his staff. I haven't asked them those questions, but I can surmise pretty easily that Ken is used to achieving and this does not sit well with him. 
Uh, I'm from a school, Brian. Uh, you keep both guys in the lineup. You can't, I want to see Bouchard play. You know that. Uh, we've discussed that a bit on right side D. Uh, they may have to go seven defense to get him in. I am a little in so in both cases with Turris and Barry. I, you know, I'd keep those guys playing because we are just eight years, eight games in, and you brought them in on UFAs. Uh, that said. Uh, I am concerned about the lack of size in Edmonton's defense on the back end, and I actually think Bouchard can help. He's been playing. There's some guys that look like they're not quick. Like they, like Bear doesn't look as quick as he was last season. Barry certainly doesn't look as quick as I remember him in Colorado a couple of years ago. Uh, and the orders, one thing if you're smaller, Brian, I don't think you can appear to be slow. That's a bad combination, slow and small. There's not a lot of guys that no, it sell it. It, 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 it. Yeah, it is, Bob, and I'd say those are really good observations. Nobody's watching more than you, but I see the same things. I see an Ethan Bear that I wasn't there in training camp, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if his level wasn't where he was at the year before. That shocks me, but that's just by analysis right. from a distance. Tyson Berry, I'd say the same thing. He looks a little stiff. Yep. out there for him. He doesn't look like he's got any deception in his game. And this is a guy that I consider having a lot of deception. So I very quickly have to look at, you know, what's what's happened here. But I think those are really good observations by you, to be honest with you. I see the same things. So what, what are the choices, Bob? That's really what it comes down to. And, you know, for Dave Tippett, he can sit down with these guys. He can meet with them as much as you want. At some point, it's going to come down to in the lineup, out of the lineup, Maybe they need to somehow reset, uh, somehow catch their breath. He's got to try to figure out ways to get those guys up to speed to what they're capable of giving. Tyson Berry, I know it's better. Kyle Turris, I'm not as sure. Like you said, he's got to reinvent himself. So that's a challenge. Tyson Berry, though, I know can play better than he's played. I've seen it. I believe it. He may have a conditioning issue, in which case that has to be addressed. He could come out of the lineup for a few games, get himself in shape. That's pretty devastating, even to a veteran's confidence. So you have to consider all those factors. Ken Holland, on the other hand, he's got to take a more global approach and say, okay, are these guys going to come out of it? Are they going to work for our club? Do I have to think about trading them? Do I even have a trade market for them? Who am I going to replace them with? What does that look like? These are the challenges that Ken has, and he takes them seriously. Um, But obviously he hasn't come up with any solutions yet. The Mike Smith deal has been really tough on this club. I mean, do we think Miko Koskinen's going to play 56 games this year or what? (laughs) You know, like, it's a challenge. Things have not started well for the Oilers. Uh, If you really look at the goaltending around the league, Bob, uh, you will notice that nobody, people that you associate with great numbers are not killing it. One guy, John Gibson. John Gibson in Anaheim right. is he's killing it. He is unbelievable right now. <laughs> he's the only reason why that team they've got ten goals in six games and they're sitting there in, in a Gary Bettman five hundred. Uh, Brian Lawton joining us right now. Brian Evan Bouchard, we've talked about that. The uh, and, and so here's the deal. And you obviously ha- have somebody that you know whose son was in Bakersfield last year and watched him play the entire back half of the season. And Bouchard was exceptional in the American Hockey League last year. Uh, he reported a camp in fabulous condition. He played at the start of the year, which is, I think, an issue for some of the veteran guys that didn't play. How does that conversation go between the manager and the coach 
in terms of pushing for uh, a guy like uh, Bouchard into the lineup. How difficult is that? It can be a really challenging conversation, to be honest with you. But for me, the analysis is pretty simple. Evan Bouchard has has put the time in. Ken's a very patient general manager. He likes guys to go through the process. That's in his DNA. That's how he built Detroit. They had strong enough teams where it was easy to do that, to be fair to the situation. But now you have a guy in Evan Bouchard who, in my opinion, has touched all those points. He's done what you want to see him do. His next level of progression will come at the National Hockey League level. You just have to decide when it's best for the organization to do that. I wouldn't be surprised if it's sooner rather than later. I can say that. Personally, I think that he's absolutely checked the boxes you want to see a guy check as he marches on his way to becoming a top four defenseman in the National Hockey League. The next step is to learn on the job at the NHL level, have patience with him, and just let him see how far he can take it. I had this with Steven Stamkos. People don't remember that, but Stammer struggled for the first while of the season. Um, he needed to go through some of that. Once he got over the hump, the rest was magic, and he's been doing it ever since. That was back in 2008. Uh, did you make a coaching change during that year? And I'm not in, I'm not drawing a correlation between the situation here. I'm just trying to remember what happened uh, during that season. I did. I let Barry Melrose go 16 games into the season, and that was not an easy decision because I'm still good friends with Barry to this day, and I think he's a terrific human being. But we had a difference of philosophy on the usage of Stephen at that time. Yeah. Uh, all right, circling back to Bouchard for a second here. Uh, Yamamoto, you could see if you watched the games in Bakersfield last year, uh, was ultra-competitive, winning puck battles and giving a team quickness. He made a significant impact when he came up last season. Of course, it coincided with Drysaddle's full-time move to center. He frankly helped salvage. The Oilers were taking on some water when he got uh, in. I'm looking at the Oilers' defense right now. They're smaller, and they're struggling to transition the puck. And Bouchard's six foot two in shape, and he can move it. I'm not saying that he can make the same kind of impact, but do you believe that if Bouchard got in, he can improve the Oilers' fortunes on the back end? I do, 100%. I think he's got the athleticism. I think he's matured. I don't believe he could have done it his first year, but I believe that he's ready to do it now because of those boxes I was talking about earlier that he's checked. He's done everything he's supposed to do. When Evan came out of junior for London, you know, he played so darn much that you see this with players once in a while. They don't have to play at 100% because they're going to play 30-plus minutes a game because they're just better than the other kids. It can lead to some bad habits. I feel like he's gotten that out of his game. He plays at a much higher level of his ability every shift, and because of that, he's now ready to test that out at the NHL level, see if he can do all the good things he's been doing in the AHL over in Europe and apply it to the NHL. And I do think that there's always a possibility he has a few false starts but I actually think he's ready to come in, grab a job, and be a meaningful player for them. From the NHL Network, Brian Lawton, number one overall pick, 1983 draft, uh, played over 600 games in the NHL, was uh, 
the head of Octagon's agency for a number of years before becoming general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, and uh, we, we don't want to disclose too much, but you have had uh, multiple conversations with owners over the last couple of years about re-engaging on that management side. Let me know if you need a Western Canadian scout. I digress. Uh, but uh, uh, just just circling back to what uh, we've, we, you know, it's a tough day. The team's three and five. Fans are frustrated. Yes, the Pugliarvi didn't kill it last night, but he was exceptional the game before up with Connor McDavid. This has happened faster than I thought. Give me your assessment of what we're seeing take place with Jesse. Uh, just a guy that looks a lot more confident. Uh, I think he went back and checked a lot of boxes, like we're talking about with Evan Bouchard in terms of his growth and development. You know, get, getting picked in the top five, trust me, it can be a curse. There's just such enormous expectations, and you can easily, you know, get off the path to where you should have ended up in the first place. I feel like that happened a little bit with Jesse early on in his career. I think he's got, he went back to Finland. He put the work in. He's matured. He's stronger. He looks bigger. Um, you know, I don't assess him to have elite, elite hockey IQ. But he has good enough to be a meaningful player and even potentially end up in the top six. I'm surprised, as you just said, that it's happened really so quick in his return to the Oilers. There's a lot there to like. There's still going to be some nights when, you know, you're not totally in sync with what he's doing. But overall, he would be one of the bright spots, certainly for the guys that aren't the superstars on the teams that I would point to. All right. Totally switching focus to wrap up, Brian. In your day, if Matthew Kachuk, who is the Flames' best player, he drives that team for me now when I watch them play. If Matthew Kachuk had accidentally fallen on a, accidentally on purpose, fallen on a goaltender, what would have happened back when you played? Uh, someone would have jumped on top of him and tried to punch his lights out, and they probably wouldn't have given him a chance to even get up. That's okay. just the way it was. That doesn't happen nowadays. Yep. Were you surprised? Because he is a master of gamesmanship. He's really good at it. To me, he got played a bit by Jake Muzzin after the game last night. Which I was a like they like if I'm the Flames, I want Matthew, you know, playing under control because he's so damn valuable to that hockey club right now. Yeah, that was a little bit of touche right there. Jake Muzzin absolutely got under his skin, and uh, Matthew went a little bit cuckoo. And you could see it when he was going off the ice. It wasn't, you know, obviously it was inappropriate to flip the puck at anybody. But if you're going to play the way that Matthew plays, you have to expect that guys are going to give it back. Other guys have pride, too, and they understand what's going on, and they can jump into the game just as well. It's really one of the first times that I've seen Matthew uh, incredibly irate at the National Hockey League level, beyond control. So, you know, hey. It is what it is. Good for Jake Muzzin. I'm sure the boys had a good laugh about that uh, after the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, was there a guy in <laughs> your time who could drive you cuckoo out on the, out on the ice for doing, uh, you know, could manipulate things that occurred on the ice the way Muzzin did last night? Yeah, there was a couple of guys that could do it. One guy for the Oilers could do it pretty well because he, he was just so distasteful, and that was Kenny Lindsman. He could just get under your skin like nobody. 
And uh, Keith Acton was another guy kind of like him. I played with uh, Woody and watched him on a nightly basis, and he was a beauty. He absolutely understood it. Dean Emerson had a little bit of that in him. Uh, there was a lot of different guys. It was generally, for me, it was generally little centermen that I would play against, guys that were bigger guys. You know, I could always deal with Mess. Mess would just cross-check you in the back every time you want to face off against them. But, you know, he wasn't really getting under your skin. There was really nothing you could do. But the other guys would do just little <laughs> constant things like that. It drove me crazy. Brian, we love having you on the show. Thanks for your time, okay? My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. You bet. From the NHL Network, Brian Lawton, whose appearances are brought to you every Wednesday by Mattress Soup. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline store when we'll come back uh when we come back we'll get to the orders now injury report for james h brown injury lawyers this is orders now this is oilers now with bob stoffer on oilers radio 630 chad 1256 in edmonton bob stoffer brendan escott with you in oilers now we head off to the orders now injury report brought to you by james h brown injury lawyers when accidents happen go to jameshbrown.com back at the 630 chad studios is brendan escott we'll go around the league quickly calgary's dylan dubay missing last night's contest remains sidelined with a lower body ailment which is the theme here dallas playing without Rupe Hintz, who has that same problem. His captain, Jamie Benn, also missing that game with an LBI. The team did place Joel Caravanta on the injured list with his lower body problem. Same story for Tom Wilson in Washington. It's held him out a couple games now, lower body problem. And uh, Matt Grizzlick for Boston as well. Each of those two are considered day-to-day. All right, let's get to some quick texts. You can text to 780-496-0063. Uh, why, why, what's, you know what, Brennan, some of the texts are being reversed. Uh, Bob, we get it. You want Bouchard in the lineup. Listening to you ask the same question day after day, find another avenue. Well, I will just tell you that I think, uh, the orders are challenged on the back end. There you go. Uh, not all of you, uh, disagree with the last texter. This text comes in saying, I believe they should start working Bouchard in the lineup soon. So he's established in one to one and a half years. When Broberg is ready, we don't need two rookies in at once. And, uh, Troy has texted the show to say, Bob, are you getting kickbacks for, uh, pushing to have, uh, Evan Bouchard in the lineup? Again, you can text us 780-496-0063. Uh, 
Bob, this is uh, Fletch from Calgary. I'm starting to believe the chatter about how weak our defense is. Four unanswered goals in the third period. We were leading 3-1 at one time. Couldn't close the deal on an entire team. Please, hockey gods, support us in beating the Leafs twice. There you go. Well, Leafs took care of uh, Calgary in back-to-back games. We'll see with Bouchard. It might be seven defense at the time. I, I, to be honest with you, since he had a little bit of tweak, we found that out yesterday from Dave Tippett, a little tweak. Um, I see Cuckoo going in tomorrow, possibly paired with Tyson Berry. I don't see Berry coming out. I don't see Tourist coming out, but it's obvious. Uh, the Oilers' bottom six has got to uh, do a better job of at least neutralizing the opposition, and the Oilers got to do a better job of making 10-foot passes uh, in their own zone and getting the puck up the ice so they spend less time defending. Off to a global news weather traffic uh, update with Kevin Robertson, and when we come back from the cult of hockey, David Staples. You're listening to Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.